eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 247 Sports Network. And together we make the podcast of champions talking all things formerly packed 12 Football, we've been doing our kind of deep dive team by team. We were starting in the future Big 12 schools. We had to take a little pause because UCLA had some disruptions going on. And uh, we're back. And we're going to talk about the Utah Utes. They could go into the Big 12 and just dominate. Steve Bartle from UteZone.com is joining us live here on the program. Uh, Steve, thanks for coming in, man. Yeah, no problem. It's uh, my wedding anniversary today, and there's nowhere else I'd rather be than right here with you two. <laughs> You're not saying that loud. Happy anniversary! Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Please well, don't. Please don't say that loud in your own house, unless unless she's oh, not there. Yeah. No, she knows. She's in on the bit. She knew. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we're really gonna, you know. Uh, Talk some Utah Utes football, and we are live on our YouTube channel. So if you're watching, uh, you can put a question, comment, or whatever in there, and we will try to uh, 
convey whatever you want to, to, to say to Steve, we'll put it in there too. If you just put question in the front, uh, if you have a funny comment, I will try to put that up on the screen. You can also, um, if you're listening on the podcast version of this, you can leave us a five-star review, rate us wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate that very much. You can email us, Podcast at gmail.com. I think we only got one email this week, so get on that, people. And you can leave us a voicemail or send us a text, 424-532-0678. Our, our resident uh, voicemail stalker, Perk, is going to leave us another voicemail. So we'll play that one a little bit later on. But Steve, thanks again for coming in. I really want to uh, dive deep into mm. what's going on with the Utah Utes. Uh, I guess we should start with the man who's coming back. He's in Jake Browning territory now. He's beyond Jake Browning. <laughs> is he beyond Jake Browning territory? This is far beyond Jake Browning. I want to know for Big 12 Media Day if Cam Rising and Brent Keefe will both be there representing Utah because they were there last year and neither of them played a down for the Utes. So it would be great to have them repeat. But we got those two guys coming. We got to start with Cam. Uh, Cam Rising, yeah. Steve. He's back. Again. He is back. Two yeah, more years of eligibility. Is, is that two years of eligibility left? Is that correct? Or I'm not. Twenty-two. That's twenty-two <laughs> more years of eligibility. That's what that is. Yeah, man. He's he's back. He's going to run it back. And you know, it's interesting with Cam and Brent. We we were joking around this past season of whether Brent and Cam were going to walk again. They've already walked as seniors on Senior Day twice, and now they'll have an opportunity to make it four times. Um, you know, in the Big 12. So pretty unique situation for those two uh, to have the opportunity to to walk in on senior days. Uh, they've been around for a long time. But uh, but with that time, man, these guys are, are, are leaders. They're veterans. They've seen it all. Uh, there's not much they haven't seen at this point. And so, you know, Utah's riding high with those two coming back. And uh, as they uh, make that transition to the Big 12, there's a lot of confidence with those two coming back and just that veteran presence that they uh, provide on the field. Yeah, yeah. Cam Rising is going to be 25 this year. He's, he turns 25 in May. And that's not a rarity for like players on Utah or it, it, Utah schools. But usually there's a big gap in there where they've yeah, gone go from like Belize or something. <laughs> right. Uh he he he's just straight from high school into college. <laughs> and now he's entering his seventh year as a twenty five year old. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Just, no, I think oh sorry, Dave. I I was I think, you know, Cam McCormick has, you know, set the precedence. He's out there setting the pace incredible. for everybody to follow. What's you he know, on? Nine and, nine or ten? I think Cam McCormick is on year nine. Uh, you know, he's just collecting these NIL checks now. Uh, Cam, you know, he's following. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but you know, like it's it's been uh, quite the journey for Cam, you know, in particular. He was a 2018 recruit, goes to Texas, red shirts, transfers, has to sit out the year, COVID, couple injuries, season-ending injuries, and now he's, he's here for his seventh year. And Brand, too, I think Brand is – Brand is a seventh year too, I think. Yeah. Um he'll he'll be twenty five in December. It's just crazy. You know, twenty five, that's that's nothing, you know, in the state of Utah. That's a freshman at BYU. <laughs> you know, so that's it's uh nothing new here in Utah. Twenty five year old starter. <laughs> with so with Cam, so this was interesting to me last year because it felt like there was a lot of mixed messaging and a lot of like 
I don't know, cross signals between the coaching staff, Cam Rising, his doctors, the whole thing. And I don't know if I was reading it wrong, but it felt like there was some real tension there. It felt like um, he felt pressed upon to try to come back earlier than his doctors were telling him. Uh, Kyle Whittingham clearly felt like he'd been sold a bill of goods at some point, or at least that was the indications he was giving publicly. How much of that was real? How much was there actual tension here? Was there ever a threat that Cam Rising might not come back to Utah? Um, just kind of give us like kind of the inside peek at what was going on here. Yeah, this was quite the year, quite the season. It was very unique. And, uh, you know, that tension, you know, it was really real. You could feel it at, uh, you know, for a couple of weeks, you know, as we got to conference play, you know, there was some real tension that you could feel, you know, even just being at practice with our 15 minute media availabilities, you know, you don't get a lot of time with these guys, but even in that short amount of time, you, know, you could feel that there was some real frustration uh, just with how the situation played out. Um, you know, it, it it does feel like Kyle felt, you know, maybe there was, you know, miscommunication in terms of the expected recovery and, and, and all of that, but there was definitely some tension. And I think ultimately, you know, both parties were able to to kind of clear the air and get on the same page. Um, you know, it it required Cam, you know, essentially, you know, providing a tell-all article in The Athletic, um, you know, which was written by Chris Camroni. It was a great piece, and it really highlighted just how bad the injury was that Cam suffered in the Rose Bowl. He, he completely blew out his knee, and, you know, the fact that he was even back practicing, you know, in a limited fashion – you know, at that point, but the fact that he was back was, uh, for him, it was a big deal. Whereas the expectations all year long and all summer and, and coming into the season were that, you know, he was going to be, um, you know, a little bit further ahead in his recovery. Um, you know, I talked to people over the summer that cited, you know, advancements and in, in recovery and in surgeries and all these sort of things. And, um, you know, it, it felt like there was just a, I don't know how this happens, but there was just a miscommunication, a misunderstanding of the recovery timeline, and and it just led to frustration by both parties. But I don't think that it was ever to the point where Cam felt he needed to move on, needed to go somewhere else, or that Utah was interested in going, you know, elsewhere. Uh, it was just frustration because you know Utah wanted to; uh, they felt they had a good team. They were competitive, um, and they had a chance to go three straight in the Pac-12. It would have been a, a pretty daunting task, uh, but they they felt they had a pretty good team. And it just, you know, in the season, you're in the midst of it, you know, and and there's just frustrations. It got a little little overboard, I think, and I shouldn't say overboard, but just you know, the frustrations built up and and ultimately boiled over, um, you know, midway through the season. But ultimately, again, I think cleared the air and. You know, everybody's back on the same page and and uh, with same goal in mind moving into 2024. The uh, injury situation, it wasn't just, you know, you kind of have those star players that were out for the season. It just seemed like a mash unit throughout oh. the entire year. And you got to, you know, kudos to Kyle Whittingham's been doing this a long time. You're just like, oh, we're going to have this safety play, running back, whatever it was. You're just kind of pulling people from from everywhere and just it, yeah it just seemed kind of crazy the what yeah. they were able to kind of put together like what i mean is 
are all those guys kind of healthy now? Or what was, you know, maybe kind of give your assessment of what the injury situation was like all season. The injury situation was unlike anything I've I've seen in, in my time doing this. I think, you know, I started, once we got to week four, I felt it was necessary to like tally how many games were missed by guys in the two deep. And I continued to just keep track of that number. And by the end, you know, there it was up there towards, I don't remember the exact number right now, but it was up towards 150 games lost to injury from guys, you know, in the starting starting unit and in the two deep. So it was, uh, you know, it was unreal. Uh, you know, it seemed like every week there was a new injury that, um, you know, was pretty significant, right? You can go through the weeks and essentially there was one every week it felt like uh, for the first half of the season. And ultimately, I think I think Lander Barton was the last big injury that happened in, in uh, during the season against USC, but man, it was it was pretty wild there. You know, Utah was having to rely on some guys that they didn't didn't necessarily want to. You know, a lot of these younger guys were red shirt guys that were forced into action. Um, you know, it put some freshmen in into situations where they needed to be counted on when maybe they weren't necessarily ready to be counted on. Um, and, but but now, you know, everybody's um, I'm pretty sure everybody's back you know, in good health um, or nearing it, getting close to it. I don't think Utah suffered any, you know, significant injuries that will go into, that will extend into next season. I'd have to double check on that. But for the most part, I think, you know, a lot of the guys are are getting back to good health. The big key there is Lander Barton, the guy I mentioned um, earlier and you know, his recovery, he's back and he's working out and he's a big piece to this puzzle for next season. And so I think he's the most important piece uh, in terms of the injury coming back. Obviously, Cam and Brandt, but, you know, they're going to be 18 months from their injury that they suffered and uh, they'll be in good shape. But for the most part, you know, Utah's, you know, pretty good health and uh, trending the right way uh, moving forward. But yeah, it was pretty wild for the first six to eight weeks of the season. You know, it was an injury here, an injury there. We got to take this guy from the defense side of the ball, bring him to the offense side of the ball. Sione Vaki became one of the most dynamic two-way players, and that wasn't the plan for him at all. Like he was going to be a defensive guy the entire way, but you know, guy stepped up, and I think it speaks to uh, the culture at Utah. You know, they talk about just nobody cares; it's the next man up mentality, and and you know, the players bought into that and stepped up and helped Utah to. Uh, you know, to to get some wins, some big wins and, and some tough wins and some tough losses. But guys stepped up, and I think it just speaks to the the culture up there at Utah. So obviously a big change uh, coming next year um, with Utah going to the Big 12 with the Arizona schools in Colorado. Um, been asking, we, we had um, Chris Cartman and Jason Shear on from the Arizona schools last week or last couple of weeks. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know, like a month ago. Who knows? Time is a construct. Um <laughs> But uh, kind of it's interesting the different temperatures of the fan base is for all these different schools with regard to are they excited about it? Are, is there ambivalence about it? Are they actually negative about it? And the general sense was Arizona, pretty positive about it for basketball reasons. Arizona State, a little bit more trepidation. Um, they liked being in the Pac-12. They liked the proximity to California. What's Utah's feeling about this? What's, what's both the administrative level but also the fan base level? 
I'll start with the fan base. The fan base is not not too happy, um, you know, with the move, right? Yeah. You go from, you know, being being in the Pac-12 with all these great schools, um, you know, set in these great locations. It was a, you know, every season you had a game to look forward to in terms of hitting the road and going to a great destination, and and just again being part of um, these schools. It, it really meant something to Utah fans who. You know, going back over the years, right? It's it's been a long journey for Utah. <clears throat> uh, going back to the Mountain West, right, and and even before that in the WAC and and all that, a lot of Utah fans have been through you know some tough times, and to finally make it to the power level uh, of college football, uh, to be involved, to to be in the same conference with these great schools that you know, many Utah fans watched from afar, um, you know, it meant a lot and it gained a lot of value, um, you know, over the course of time as Utah, you know, started to make their own way in the conference. And so, you know, it's tough. It's, it's tough for Utah fans. Um, obviously the administration um, did their, did all that they could to, to try and keep the PAC 12 together. Uh, but ultimately, you know, we're, we're, where we are and you know they're they're looking ahead and you know it'll be interesting with the move to the big 12 um just you know expectations are high for utah right you you come into the pac-12 you finally climb that mountain in the pac-12 win back-to-back conference championships you're returning the bulk of of your football roster and you know expectations are quite high and so that's led to um you know, some interesting uh, dialogue and interactions with fans on Twitter and online and, uh, you know, Big 12, you know, with other Big 12 programs. And so Utah fans aren't aren't necessarily endearing themselves to, you know, some of these new schools that they'll be uh, will be competing against. But, you know, overall, I think, um, you know, it's tough for Utah fans to say goodbye to the Pac-12. Um, I think. You know, Utah is going to go into the Big 12 with a, a certain mindset of, you know, taking care of business and and wanting to establish themselves, you know, as a championship contender right away. And and that's going to be the mentality that they take into the new league. Obviously, with the other sports, basketball, men's basketball in particular, it's a little bit different. Um, yeah. You know, that's 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 going to be a bit of a process. Women's basketball should hit the ground running. Uh, but in terms of football, yeah, expectations are certainly um, pretty high. For, for the program moving forward. Yeah, I, was, I don't watch a lot of college basketball, but like it was like number six versus number two last night, Houston versus Iowa State. You know, there's a lot of really good programs in the uh, in the Big 12 on the basketball side. It'll be interesting. But I think on the football side, I think Utah's going to fit in well. I mean, obviously you got to play, you know, BYU's there. I don't know if, you, if Utah fans are familiar with that school at all, but, um, you know, there's but there's just a lot of, like Utah's just been like this program that's like well coached and like just it's like a real a good solid program and it seems like there's a lot of programs like that in the Big Twelve so like you could have rock fights week after week you know with all these teams that are like they don't suck like they're pretty good and on any given day they could be really good and sometimes they're okay but there just seems like there's a lot of kind of programs like that so I I I think the just the storylines for Big 12 football next year are going to be good. You know, Arizona, where are they going to be? They could be, you know, they would look like they were rising until fish left, but I think they're still going to be pretty good. Utah coming back with the stars coming back. Um, I think there's just going to be a lot of like good, good programs in that league. 
I agree, right? When you when you keep the focus to, you know, what's happening on the field, in the stadium, right? Like it's there's there's gonna be some a lot of competitive matchups, a lot of competitive games, a lot of good storylines. But I think for Utah fans, you know, you're looking at the schedule and you don't see that great matchup, right? We're talking, you know, a lot of these teams are going to be good, they're gonna be, you know, competitive, but there's not that great team. Um, like there, like there was and has been in the Pac-12, where you always had this, this, uh, these programs that kind of set the bar and, and set the mark high, right? Oregon, USC, Washington. You always had these other programs that provided these great matchups, these headline-grabbing matchups, and it just feels like the Big Twelve. These are going to be competitive games. There's going to be interesting storylines. Um, but is it that headline grabbing, get your attention, you know, primetime uh, type of game? And, and you know, I think for a lot of Utah fans, there's some worry there that there's not going to be those sort of games. There's some concern. There's, um, you know, just, uh, again, just missing the Pac-12. But, again, when you keep the focus on the field and, and you're looking at these teams and how competitive they'll be, it's going to be a competitive conference, right? Oklahoma State. Uh, TCU, Baylor, all of these programs have competed for the Big 12 championship with Oklahoma and Texas, you know, in the conference over the last few years. Iowa State had a good run under Matt Campbell. And when you look at, you know, a lot of these coaches across the Big 12, you know, there's some similarities to Kyle Whittingham, as you kind of alluded to there, Ryan, and in the sense that, you know, these guys are well coached. They're going to be players that are developed over time. Um, which is how Utah finds a lot, has found a lot of success as a program. So, um, yeah, a lot of similarities, and the football will be competitive. Um, but it's just, it's just different. It's a different level. Um, you know, there's just that mark, the the marquee matchups. You know, you you're not seeing that necessarily on paper right now. But once we get the fall, I'm sure these games are are still going to provide plenty of excitement. So I. I- one thing that's always been curious to me, because um, there's a lot of rivalries in college sports, um, and there's obviously a lot of hatred and all that kind of stuff, and it's all in good fun. Like, But there's something unique about Utah-BYU that I don't see often, which is uh, like USC and UCLA, aside from a few outliers, uh, a few crazy folk, everyone wants to see them play every year. Uh, so, uh, Cal Stanford, everyone wants to see them play every year. Oregon Washington, everyone wants to see them play every year. Utah fans, it sounds like to me when I like see the tenor on uh, on on Twitter, it's I never want to see those motherfuckers again in my life, uh, and I never want to play them ever again. And I just I want to I want to kind of investigate this a little bit because look, I've I've watched BYU play UCLA a few times, and I've never seen a more nut punching uh, team in in the history of college football, like uh, like what they do in terms of dirty play on the field. But is that the reason, or is it more than that? Like, what? No. Kind of give us the full. <laughs> yeah. Give us the full picture here. Education on this. Yeah. No, uh, you're not wrong, David. Uh, there, it is. You know, we would we would feel great if we never played those motherfuckers again. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is, you know. But no. But it, in all seriousness, like it's a great rivalry. Um, you know, it's 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 heated. It's you know, your neighbor is a BYU fan neighbor next to him is a Utah. It's just, it's so ingrained in the community here in Utah, this Utah-BYU rivalry. It just extends to everything, every conversation, every little bit of life, this rivalry just finds a way to seep it 
seep into and it's it's uh, it makes for you know a lot of heated debate some delusional takes some wild um conversation and you know um it's it's interesting so there's a lot of human elements that goes into this rivalry that makes it so heated and um you know it's uh it's interesting i'm sure if you polled most utah fans uh i think uh you know, most would be fine if this game wasn't played most years. You know, if this was, uh, you know, every every couple years or so, that would be fine. It's just, you know, when when your best season is uh, happens in the COVID year, or you finish in the Boca Raton Bowl and you're pounding your chest about how great a season it was and how you're going to dominate, you know, college football because you had this kid, you know. Um, Zach Wilson just dominate, um, you know, through the air. Uh, it's it's just, you know, we, that's what we have to deal with, right? It's just it's just tough, right? The this the, the fan base down there, the team down south, as some fans will call them, um, you know, it's it's just tough. But you know, my best and this like here's the thing though is like my best friend Jeff Hansen, who runs he's he runs the BYU site for twenty four seven Sports. He's my best friend, and like we'll joke about it, <laughs> we'll we'll talk about it. But it's like when you get in this rivalry, it's it's just man, no, <laughs> there's no love lost. That's for sure. That's funny. You can go to the stands for either one of the the, the fans are usually pretty nice to you, but you feel like it's kind of like. Being nice to your face and then behind your back, who knows what's going to happen? That's funny. that's exactly no, that's it. Like <laughs> it's all a front, man. It's all a front. <laughs> that's great. Uh, the Utah's note. I mean, a lot of stability in the program. You've had Kyle Whittingham there for forty-eight years, whatever it's been, something in that range. Um, what's the? I think there really hasn't been much turnover on the coaching stuff. You want to kind of address that, but roster-wise, you know, we're the era with the portal and everything. We've talked about a couple of big names coming back. What's sort of been the like um, the pulse of the roster? Like a bunch of guys left, and new guys added. Like what what has that been like? Yeah, so you know Utah's benefited from staff you know stability for a long time now, right? This the staff has been together. This staff has been together only a couple of years, but the bulk of of the staff has been together for geez eight ten years now. It's wow. it's you know it's it's not common obviously in in college football and. And, and so, uh, in terms of the roster, uh, you know, Utah's been fortunate where I think they're still returning you know, over 70% of the roster from last season. Um, and obviously, once we get into spring, that post-spring cycle, there will probably be some additional attrition that we'll see. Um, but, you know, Utah saw six guys declare for the draft. Um, you know, only a, a few of them had the opportunity to return. A couple guys were just seniors that had to move on. Um, there were 14 portal departures. Um, and so you're talking about the loss of 20 guys with about five seniors that have moved on from the program. So 20, 25, um, guys total, um, were lost this season. They're about there, which is, you know, that's a victory in today's college football, right? Yeah, that's on if the low end return. for sure. That's yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like total. Yeah, I mean, like to have that many guys total, like with depart. I mean, yeah, that's that's rare. Yeah, so it's you know it's an accomplishment for Utah to return the bulk of the roster, and this is still a roster where you know a lot of these guys have, whether they played or they were backing up or were on the roster, they've been you know in competitive environments, competitive situations, 
playing competitive football. So, you know, Utah's uh, fortunate in that regard, and that's where a lot of the confidence comes from. Is that you know this is a, a very this is a this is a roster that's proven that they can you know compete for conference championships, and so you know they're in good shape. They've returned you know a good chunk, uh, the majority of the roster, 70 percent, somewhere in there. Um, you know, and then they've added, you know, a lot of good pieces through the transfer portal. Um, you know, Carson Ryan, Dorian Singer, two guys that you are, you two are familiar with. And for Utah, those are, you know, significant additions to that wide receiver and tight end room, um, which will help them on that side of the ball. And then defense, you know, they just have a way of finding guys that fit what they do, fit their persona, fit their culture and, and just find success year in and year out on that side of the ball. So, you know, overall, the roster is in great shape. Um, you know, they're they're expecting a, a little bit more attrition in in the uh, the spring portal window, but they you know feel confident that they'll be able to address you know a lot of those uh, departures as well. Kyle Whittingham, um, as Ryan said, he's been there for between forty and sixty years, um, <laughs> and uh, there was talk a couple years ago, obviously dealing with a lot of the tragic events that were happening uh, around Utah, um, that he was maybe getting a little bit towards the end, um, you know, thinking about retirement and all of that. Um, what's the sense of that now? I mean, Utah is obviously embarking on a completely new challenge. Um, is that invigorating for him? Is it something that you think he'll want to stick around for it? And what is the succession plan now? Because I know there was Morgan Scally was uh, the the kind of heir apparent for a while. Then he mm-hmm. had obviously the controversy with um, what was it? The text messages. Yep. Um, yeah. Where where does he stand in terms of his status as you know next in line? Is there another option? And also, is that even something you need to be concerned about? Is Kyle Whittingham going to stay for another five years? Man, um, you know, like you said, it seemed a couple of years ago that you know time was winding down, you know, and pretty pretty quickly. But it seems like this season, for whatever reason, um, you know, he found a little bit a little bit more energy, juice to to keep going. Uh, but I still think we're talking about, you know, one year at a time for him. And this this season could be it. Maybe he decides to to come back for 2025. Um, but I think we're we're getting to that point where it's a year by year thing with Kyle Whittingham. And so, you know, I think that's where we're at with him. But you know, he's in a great situation because again, getting back to the staff continuity um, and and just the having that staff together for as long as they've been together now, I think that that has helped him to kind of uh, keep to, to keep going, you know, even, even despite all of these new um, new things and, 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 and all of this that they have to navigate now in, in college football with NIL, with the transfer portal, even with all of that, having that staff around him that's been around him for so long, that's allowed him to stick around and to find that that juice and energy to keep going. So, you know, Kyle's still, man, he's still going. He's still strong. But uh, I think it's best to kind of take this year by year with him um, yeah. so we could see him, you know, hang it up after the season. If, you know, things go a certain way, we'll see. Um, and then after Kyle Whittingham, I, I you know, I, I think Morgan Stow- Morgan Scally is is still in a position where he's probably the the odds on favorite to to succeed him. Um, he's kind of taken on more responsibility in terms of you know uh, assuming those some of those you know head coaching responsibilities. He's been more active and and vocal 
uh, and and more present online than what we've seen in years past. Um, and so, you know, he's he's certainly acting the part uh, in some regards. Uh, and so we'll see. But I, I think I would not be surprised if you know they they take this to a coaching search and 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 vet some you know and, and just kind of go through that process but i still think morgan scally if we're talking right now today i, I still think morgan scally is the uh, the favorite to succeed winning him it you know when you go to a new conference like if utah goes in and wins the big 12 in year one i could see maybe he would retire after that but like sometimes you just go to a new place it's like a whole new challenge yeah. and it could be like oh it's add a few years to whatever you were planning on doing so no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think that that's a great point, right? Is this new challenge, and he's a guy that he's he wants to uh, put Utah in the best situation possible. He takes a lot of pride in in what he's built, and and going into that new conference with new challenges. You know, he's the sort that you know he wants to to succeed and and you know overcome a lot of those challenges. So it can be reinvigorating for him, I'm sure. I want to look at the uh, we know we know the Big Twelve schedule uh, came out a month or two ago. I'll kind of go over that with you, and then we have a few fan questions unless you have anything else, David. But um, the out-of-conference games, uh, Southern Utah and Baylor, which is interesting because that's a Big 12 team, but um, in uh, Rice-Eccles and then going to Utah State. And then uh, for the Big 12 schedule, uh, starts off at Oklahoma State, Arizona at home, followed by a uh, road game against Arizona State, TCU at home, road game to Houston, uh, that BYU game on November 9th. I know Amy in the chat wanted it to be rivalry weekend, but that's a uh, that's in Rice Eccles uh, at Colorado. Familiar one there. Uh, Iowa State at home, and then UCF on the road. So the the final one is the long the long road trip all the way to Florida. But any kind of initial thoughts? Uh, you know, no back to back road games or anything. Well, I guess the 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 one uh the early season one yeah. Utah State and Oklahoma State, but Yeah, the literally part, the first road games are back to back, but yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a out of conference game. It's Utah State. Mm. It's not it says, "Oh, do out of conference you don't have to travel for road games in out of conference?" It's a, you can drive to that one. <laughs> it's not a flight, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> I did the same thing. I'm laughing because I did the same thing and somebody <laughs> corrected me. Yeah. Uh, so I'm reliving that pain, Ryan. <laughs> that's why I'm laughing. You could drive to Logan, um, right? Is that a, that a, that's a drive. Right? Yeah, you know, it's a decent drive. You know, right. Yeah. You, they'll probably take the buses for it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think this schedule, it sets up nicely. I think the thing that stands out most, honestly, is probably that USC UCF game, you know, Thanksgiving weekend in Orlando. I think that game just jumps out as just, what are we doing here? <laughs> what is going on <laughs> with this schedule? But, you know, just – and I think that speaks to just how nicely the the rest of the schedule sets up for Utah, right? So you've got – you had a conference. Um, there's no Florida this year, which is great, um, but also bad. Uh, but great because, you know, it, that's, that's a tough game. That's a tough contest. And Utah doesn't need to beat themselves up uh, to win that game uh, again this year. Uh, but Baylor, obviously, that was an out-of-conference game that was scheduled years ago that they just they couldn't find a replacement for, so they keep that as a non-conference game. Um, and then as you get into uh, you know Big Twelve play, it starts on the road at Oklahoma State, and that's going to be a challenge. Um, you know, Oklahoma State they're bringing back the top running back in college football. Um, obviously, Utah they're 
their MO is stopping the run. That's what Kyle Whittingham preaches. It's all about the run game and stopping the run and establishing the run. So that'll be a, a fun contest. Coming home to Arizona, Arizona's coming off a bye before that game. And so mm-hmm. that's going to be a really tough challenge for, for Utah, especially coming off of that Oklahoma State. So, you know, getting to it right out the gate with probably two of your toughest games on the schedule against Oklahoma State and Arizona. Then you get the bye. And this is new. Like the the Big 12, you get two buys. Is, is this just new in, in the Big 12 or is this across the board where everybody no, I, gets two I buys? I think it's the calendar this year for whatever reason. Yeah, it's like everyone's getting two buys. I forgot what the cool. – well, I thought that was a Big 12 perk, so, jeez. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> but Utah gets the bye after week five, and then they get another one, I think, four or five weeks later. So it sets up nicely for them where they can kind of break this season up into thirds. You know, they've got two, I think, two four-game stretches and then a five-game stretch, I think. I think that's what it is. Maybe four, I don't know. But anyways, two buys. Um spread out evenly the last the the second bye obviously the week before the BYU game um and BYU also gets a, a bye week before that game as well um so that's going to be that's the marquee matchup when this initially came out I was a little surprised that that wasn't the Thanksgiving uh week rivalry week uh game you know yeah. that's a, a great rivalry it's um, obviously being here in Utah you you, you live it every day but that's a, a great game to highlight but you know, the Big 12 decided that they wanted to feature that game a little bit earlier in the season, which I also understand, uh, which is something that they do with Oklahoma and have done with Oklahoma and Texas playing that game earlier in the year. Uh, I'm not comparing that to the to the Red River shootout, uh, but it's it's a very competitive rivalry. And I think uh, getting both teams off a of bye, that that should make for a pretty, pretty tough game. So um, overall, like the set, the schedule sets up really nicely for Utah in, in the sense that uh, you know they're coming into this wanting to compete for a championship, and there's nothing with this schedule that kind of impedes their chances at uh, at contending for a championship. There's no back-to-back roadies. There's no wild. You know, you've got a Saturday late night game and then a Friday game the next week yeah. where you're on a short week. There's none Actual of that. Specials, so, yeah, yeah, you know, a lot of those. So, so that's kind of nice as well. But overall, it's it's solid schedule, um, and, uh, and like I said, it sets up nicely for Utah. We have a few questions in the chat. Uh, do you have anything else there? Do you want me to get into no, those? No, let's go to the chat. Okay. So Amy, our resident Utah fan, even though we love Cam, how is Utah building a better depth at the quarterback position? Pig Farmer was fine, but who will step up in case, knock on wood, Cam gets injured again? Yeah, this uh, this season was uh, it was a rough one for the, the quarterback situation at Utah, um, obviously without Cam. Um, you know, kind of highlighted some deficiencies in that in that room. You know, Bryson did his best. If we compare, like, have you guys ever been to a nuclear reactor? No. Mm, no, I don't think so. I haven't either. I haven't either. But I've seen okay. Chernobyl. And so I, I've seen, you know, nuclear reactor. There's a lot of big dials. Like up close? Little knobs. Or, no, no. no, just inside. You know, just like, what is that? Inside like the, the reactor. Lab? Yeah. Inside the reactor where after like you control things. Yeah. yeah. No, not after before. You've got rods. Yeah, I get it. Bryson <laughs> Bryson set off the reactors, what I'm trying to get to, where essentially, you know, he had a good understanding of how the big dials, where the big dials were supposed to be, uh, but the little switches to fine tune the nuclear reactor, just he he didn't have a grasp of that sort of gotcha. thing. Gotcha. 
Uh, you know, and so other quarterbacks in the room weren't developed properly or just weren't at a, a place in their game where they could contribute and take control of the job. So, um, you know, Utah with Cam coming back, they bring in Isaac Wilson from Corner Canyon, highly touted four-star quarterback out of Corner Canyon, which has produced a lot of good quarterbacks you know, in recent years. Um, you know, Devin Brown at Ohio State, Jackson Dart, USC, Ole Miss. Um, and so you're bringing in him. You're, you're bringing back Brandon Rose, who was injured. Uh, freak accident in fall camp cost him the season. I think he lacerated his – liver i think is what it was there was a lot of um, like internal organs that were lacerated last year <laughs> spleens and li- yeah yep it was it was on. pretty wild yeah it was pretty wild so um so yeah so the quarterback situation you know utah's got three in the room right now that they they feel good about brandon rose will be entering year three with the program you know he's got to make strides uh to to kind of solidify um you know the depth here but utah they're they weren't able to bring in a, a transfer quarterback uh, during the winter uh, portal cycle, but that's priority number one for them. You know, as we move forward, they want to bring in a fourth quarterback, preferably one from the transfer portal that has D1 experience to come in and, and provide depth. That's going to be the big key for Utah moving forward. They want to bring in, you know, a transfer um, to just really round out the depth of that room and just solidify it. So that's the hope. And then, you know, when you look ahead, you know, in the 2025 class, they already have two quarterback commits. Um, so they and they've also brought in this. We didn't talk about this with the staff, uh, but they brought in Corey Dennis from Ohio State, who was the quarterback coach there. He's coming in. He's coming to Utah to be an offensive uh, personnel analyst, kind of like uh, akin to Cliff Kingsbury. I think that's yeah. the, the sort of role that, that he had at USC. So kind of similar there. Um, and when you look at Corey Dennis and what he what he did at, at Ohio State, you know, he was the primary recruiter for the quarterback position. And, you know, obviously the quarterbacks that they brought in there, you know, you don't need to go through them. You, they've been Pretty good. Special, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Utah is taking steps to really kind of help themselves at that quarterback position. And we had one from uh, Eric. Uh, is Utah the favorite to win the Big 12? I would imagine they are in the top three. Yeah, according to most, I mean, you look at the win total projections for next year. They're top two with with Kansas State right there. Um, they're they're going to be top three, uh, according to most folks. And obviously, with so much roster change for a lot of these programs, you know, it, it it provides a unique dynamic of just what exactly are these teams going to be? Who's going to take that leap? Is there any Noah Fafita out there next season who comes in off the bench and? you know, turns the fortunes of a, a program around, you know, there's always that sort of storyline, but I think coming into the season, yeah, Utah is going to be a top two, top three uh, type of favorite in the big 12. And then we got one last one um, from our buddy, Eddie in orange. Is it true? The cam rising was David Woods's babysitter. Mm. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> cam again, he's, he's been around a long time. It's amazing that he still, you know, he has the hair, the facial hair. It's all still colorful and beautiful. David's got the gray coming in the yeah. beard. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know how he does. I've it. aged I don't terribly. Know what it is. Uh, yeah, he, terribly. He, he's aging, aging well. Yeah. I'm, so it it is true. Yeah. I'm glad we're doing the podcast of champions at least for another year or two, so we get to get you know I the sophomore to, and yeah. junior years of Cam Rising. So we, you know, by yeah. 2027, we I might not see, have the show. I want to see how this little baby grows. Of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
I wanted to ask you guys that. Are you guys like going to keep doing this? Like, because you guys, I mean, you guys dipped. You guys bounced. You left us. We bailed. We did. We had no choice in any of that. Um, Yeah. So (laughs) the plan, I mean, it's like, I think there, we, so we were so bad at creating a podcast for the Pac 12 that all these other podcasts about the Pac 12 sprouted up. They're like, wow, these guys are doing it. We could do it too. Now, everyone has this dilemma of like, well, now what the hell do we do? Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of people, what we've decided to do is continue to cover the 12 teams, the formerly known as the Pac-12 teams, at least for this season. It's going to be harder to do like, are we breaking down Utah, UCF the same way we would Utah, Oregon State? Like, no, but, you know, we'll talk about all those things, but it's it's almost like every week will be like an out-of-conference week where we yeah we, we did out-of-conference games. It was like, okay, we're talking about 11, 12 games. And then in conference, you're, it's like five or six. Well, that's going to blow up. So it's going to be – the shows will be a little bit different. Uh, we'll see, but probably a little less in-depth than everyone. But we still want to talk about the Pac-12 teams at least for yeah. one more year and kind of figure it out from there. Yeah. The Man, that yeah. means a lot. Yeah, this is be. this has been the podcast of choice for the Pac-12. I never listened to it, but I always read the reviews. The reviews. Oh, are <laughs> Thanks, man. I, I know. I know you guys are doing a good job. Appreciate. We, that. we try, and the people are like, oh, you're like, and the good thing is, for most of the run of we've been here, both USC and UCLA have been like blowy, so we can like make fun <laughs> of the schools that we cover, so people aren't like. You're just like a homer. What? Like no, yeah. we're like trashing. No, the no, no. I, I I hate the school I cover. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't shake them. Oh it's my so god! But, but thanks, man. We appreciate it. you uh, coming in. It's a uh, it's the uh, fun stuff. And uh, no, make absolutely. sure you go over to utahone.com. I know. I don't think Amy was a subscriber, a Utah fan. Amy, get in there and subscribe. Come on. Like, what yeah. are you doing? Here? What are we doing? Come on, Amy. What kind of game is this? Eddie? You too. Yeah, Eddie. Eddie and Orange. He's a. I think he's a USC guy, but he loves. Uh, I think he just. Loves we don't discriminate. Well. You can you can subscribe to Zone whether USC, Oregon, whatever fan. Nice. Uh, and Eric, the, <laughs> the, he has got a duck logo. Eric was missing. I mean, he has a lot of respect for Utah. He was going to miss the those games. So we had some like some kubaya moments in the chat mm. while this was all going on. So it is kind of sad. Yep. Like. It is. I'm looking at the schedule. Every time we talk, we talk to Cartman or Shear. Now we're talking to you about like the schedule, and it's just like, oh well, there's that Arizona State game. Like there's a like they're kind of familiar, and then all these other teams. Like what the hell is this? Like it's just <laughs> yeah. really weird. Yeah, it's a weird dynamic, man. It's you know obviously there's a certain a certain level of excitement going into the new league, but man, there's a lot of a lot of pain, a lot of sadness saying goodbye yeah. to the Pac-12. It's been a great run um all around all, all around. right well steve bartle we really appreciate you coming in if appreciate you guys, you guys if you you, you want to know more about the uh make sure you go check out the youth zone over there so steve thanks again for coming in no problem appreciate right. you steve everyone else will be back in a minute Alrighty, I think we're uh, I think we're back. Just you and me. Just us. Just, Just us. us kids. Just us kids. Um, wow. Here we are. What'd you think? We got we got a lot of Ute talk. Utah that was talk. that was a lot of Ute talk from Steve Bartle. Tremendous man. Tremendous beard. 
He does have a good beard. It's a very good beard. Wow. It looks like mine used to look before I became an ancient mariner <laughs> of 38. <laughs> I don't know how old Steve is. So I was, uh, I was, I was like lightly talking a little shit at somebody on Twitter the other day, and he responded you? with, "Well, it wasn't intentional. It okay. wasn't. It wasn't really intentional. Um, it was. It was just something where I like said, oh, yeah, I couldn't watch that because I was gonna cringe.'" But anyway, he comes back at me and he says, you know, you could try to be nicer, you know, instead of being like a, you know, one of these 50 plus year old sports writers. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm 38, Damn, mother. <laughs> he's not even intending that. And that's like brutal. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, nice. 38 years old. I just, you know, I've had two children. I actually gave birth to them. You did, you did, yeah, yeah. It was it war on my body. Uh, I, meant, I forgot to talk to Steve. He put uh, five things to love uh, about the Utah football. Uh, check it out over on Ute Zone. So that was a good uh, good piece. Cam Rising kind of leading the way. Also, the Big 12 media days are going to be in Vegas. So someone tweeted at me that was like, okay, now you have another excuse to go to Vegas. Like, I got to go to Big 12 media days because, you know. Got to cover your teams. Yeah, got to cover uh, the uh, the four corners. When are they going to put Big 10 media days in Vegas? I, you know, I made some inquiries. Uh, I think the guy that I knew that was working in the Big Ten office, I think he left. So I need to like get some new contacts there. But I meant to go the last two years. And I didn't. I didn't end up going. Nobody I think I got wants to go to Indianapolis or whatever. Yeah, I don't really want to do that. But they should definitely have it uh, in Vegas. They should also do the the Big Ten tournament in Vegas. Nobody wants to go to Chicago for that. True. Yeah. Vegas All of it in Vegas. Everything should be Vegas. Everything should be in Vegas. I love that. Come on. Um, all right. Well, we, we got a few questions to get to, but we got some, uh, our, your, our buddy, our pal, uh, George K. Mm. George, uh, Klyovkov. Do we have the, uh, I don't know if I have the Kalafnikov thing anymore. Yeah, I still we have don't that need sound. that. I don't know that sound. Uh, he is out as of what? 11 days from now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. March 1st. So we had a couple of years left on his deal. Um, the PAC 12, uh, board, which is Oregon state and Washington state. Now, uh, the board of directors announced that, uh, they have mutually agreed to part ways effective February 29th, 2024. So I guess nine days from now. Yeah. Um, and then the new leadership is Teresa Gould, who everyone thought she would be, uh, the new commissioner of the PAC. 12 slash two. I guess she gets to be the pack 12 for a couple months and then it's going to be the pack two. Uh, she's the first ever female commissioner of the, uh, in a power five conference autonomy five, they're calling it, which that's going away, but she gets to be that for a couple months and then there won't be any power five anymore. But yeah. So, uh, everyone thought that she would be the, the logical choice. You needed to get George out of there. He was just kind of hanging around really hadn't spoken publicly. I don't know, like six months or something like that. It's been a while, but uh, yeah. Any thought? I mean, we knew it was coming. It's just kind of, it's finally here. I thought it had already happened. Um, <laughs> it's this, like one of those things. Like, oh, I thought he was already. Dead. No, it, it yeah. feels like one of those situations, like an office space, where it's like, oh, we fixed the glitch. Uh, nobody told him he was fired, but we have fixed the glitch where he was still getting paid. Um, that's what happened here. Oh. That guy's still around? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We got to take care of that. Well, you get like the celebrity death and you're like, 
Oh, I thought he was already dead. Like that was one of those things. I mean, they might have needed to pay a buyout. Who knows? Um, you know, yeah, no, it. there was. I think he was getting like three and a half million a year. Well, that might have been. They were waiting to get the payout from the other bit, bit of breaking news where they got a few extra million for the next couple of years uh, as compensation for um, not staying in the playoff picture. Um, but uh, yeah, Klyavkov, uh tenure um, undone by uh, factors external to his control. And also by factors uh, under his under control. control. Yeah, uh, didn't do a good job. Wasn't the job he signed up for. I feel uh, I feel for him personally, but at the same time, yeah, I liked him. But at the same time, uh, he wasn't good. He wasn't the guy to uh, try to uh, wrangle the already um, breaking apart conference and put it back together. Uh, maybe if they'd hired him three or four years earlier and gotten rid of Larry Scott earlier, maybe he would have been the guy. But he yeah. wasn't. He wasn't the kind of transformative figure that they needed to fix what was broken. Um, and that's really the long and the short of it. And yeah. now he's been hanging around for seven months or whatever after the thing's already dead. Yeah. Uh, the terms of the deal weren't disclosed. I think Wilner wrote about it, but I, he believed he was making like three, the, the liability was probably being like 7 million range. And then you could split it up between the schools. So there, whatever they negotiated, I mean, he probably got less than that, but he still got some, uh, money and stuff. So. Yeah, this is just sort of like the inevitable thing that needed to happen. Um, oh, Eddie and Orange is saying that he just renewed his subscription to the P. So he's a sorry, Steve. He's a he's a USC guy. So thanks, Eddie, for that. Uh, I don't know if Amy said if she's subscribing or not. So you got to get in there. Um, yeah, whatever program you're a fan of, like if for some reason you like UCLA, I mean that seems really weird. But go over to Bro and uh, sign up and get a membership there. Do it. You know, you, know, you should uh, subscribe. Subscribe helps everybody uh, helps everybody else out. Okay, um, some other news. Uh, did you see that Arizona has an athletic director? Arizona Wildcats. Uh, she was uh, formerly at uh, UNLV and then Missouri, and uh, I believe got her law degree at Arizona. Desiree Reed Francois. Hey, interesting. Uh, tell me, where did she go and get her bachelor's degree? Was it UCLA? Mm-hmm. Oh, and and tell me, tell me, um, was she uh, was she available as an athletic director when UCLA was last hiring an yes, athletic director? Yes, she was. Like, okay, she took the Missouri job. Interesting. Her name came up for the USC search too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arizona just out here hiring people UCLA should have hired at all levels all the time. Yeah, they're doing. They're, I think it's a really good hire to go from an SEC school to. The Big Ten, you know, Big 12. Uh, mm-hmm. I like that. So, well done there. Um, but, yeah, so Arizona's got their their athletic director. Yes. And another good hire, another hire that makes sense that the folks in Westwood are going to go, why don't we do stuff like that? Yep. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, you mentioned this earlier. Mm-hmm. So, I just I haven't read this yet. I didn't even realize there was going to be financial compensation. So you've been paying more attention to like what the actual format was supposed to be, and so apparently this is a change of some sort. But in any event, so they're was, now doing twelve teams, and it's the five highest ranked conference title winners, and then seven at large. So it was six and six because there was a power five, whatever, and then you would get one group of five. Who gives a shit? Apparently, they spent months figuring this out because the Pac twelve was holding it up. Right. They're, they're Washington not, State was holding it up. They're not calling it directly a quid pro quo. 
Um, but Oregon State and Washington State are going to get a little extra money for the next couple of years. Okay. Um, to because they agreed to stop holding up the process. I believe they were holding out, yeah. and uh, right. So they didn't. They weren't going to say, "Well, the Pac-2 is going to get an automatic bid or whatever." So that's yeah. I mean, who gives a fuck? It's going to be really stupid. Okay. So they uh, will get a little. Team, Twelve teams is super dumb. Uh, Washington State and Oregon State. I feel like they're they're like looking for handouts wherever they can get it. They're Twelve like, teams is the dumbest possible construction, right? We all agree. You know. I rich, as soon as I heard twelve, I didn't like it. But the more I see it, I kind of like it. I kind of like the four buys. Like you get a bye week. Um, I think that's kind of cool. I think it's stupid. I think it's really dumb. But I would like to see more. You'd like to see more. I like to like. I'd like the buy teams to be able to have a home game too. If you're doing a stupid tournament. Yeah. Embrace the stupid tournament. If you're trying to Do determine the best, whatever. if you're trying to determine the best team, don't have a stupid tournament. Don't do this middle ground bullshit. Don't reward four teams. Like, wh- why is the cutoff four teams? What if the difference between the fourth and the fifth team is way, way less than the difference between the fourth and the third? Very team? likely. Very likely. Like, what are we doing here? It's stupid. Instead, just do eight teams or do sixteen. I don't really care. It's all very stupid. Um, but 12 was the absolute worst possible construction of this stupid thing. Okay. I mean, I, I don't mind 12. Mm. I think, but I would like to see if you're one, two, three or four, you should get a home game. Like right now they don't. Right. Um, if you're five, you get a home game. I'd like to see the top teams get a home game too. So maybe 16 would be better and everyone that's good gets a home game and then you kind of play in neutral sites from there. Why? Well, I mean, neutral sites, or at least for the semifinals. Like I I, I don't mind if you do two rounds of home games. Like if you do a 16-team tournament, I think it'd be kind of fun. But as of now, right, it's like eight versus 12. Mm-hmm. It's the at eight, right? You get a home home game. Yeah, there. but okay. So Michigan. And then after that, I think it's. Uh, I think after that, it's neutral sites. Look, Michigan doesn't want to play a fucking game in mid December in Ann Arbor. Like nobody wants to do that. Nobody, not even the team that would be the home team. Like just do it all in neutral sites. All of them in the southwestern desert. Who cares? All of them in Vegas. All of them. Like have it just be okay, like I would I would listen to that the tournament weekend where they all play their games in Vegas like this, that would be freaking yeah, awesome dude, like I Allegiant mean, Stadium like, just from like nine a.m. If you're like, going to borrow the stupidity and fun of the NCAA tournament, just do it like the NCAA tournament. None of this NIT bullshit of playing home games. No, all on neutral sites, and you get the neutral site closest to your home stadium if you're one of the higher ranked teams. Hmm. Yeah. No, okay. no home games. But everything in Vegas. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. All right. All right. We got questions. Uh, let me see. We had one in the chat um, from, this is Amy again. She's very active. She was big into the Utah day. Uh, who would you have want to see as head coach uh, for Utah? Um, uh I mean, I think the the thing there is program continuity is probably the biggest factor with Utah because I don't think it's the biggest factor when you don't have a successful program, but when you have a successful one, that's probably what you want. So I don't know if it's Scally. I mean, I 
it feels like the the whole uh, texting slurs to yeah. people kind of got swept under the rug. But uh, he did do that. Um, has his I don't know judgment improved considerably since then? I mean, that was only in 2013. That's way past the time when anybody should have been. Uh, well, nobody should have ever been texting slurs, but um, kind of got to a point there where it's you know it's that's a real. And I don't know that we ever saw the text messages themselves. I don't know what slur. I think all that stuff would start to come out, and it would just be kind of murky. Maybe we did. I don't. I honestly don't remember. Uh, but I, I mean, if if he passes some sort of actual vetting, um, maybe it's him. But I would think just uh, you'd want continuity from Whittingham because the program has been uh, awesome. I don't. For it has been years. awesome. But if you don't have like, this is for sure the heir apparent. And if there's questions around Scally, and I know there's some Utah fans that wouldn't want to see that. I mean, bringing in another hard-nosed coach from outside that, I don't know. I mean, I I wouldn't mind that either. Um, I mean, someone that could embrace the culture that he established. But if you don't have someone, it's just basically you're just doing a, a very light version of Whittingham. And I, I think I'd rather just bring someone that's that could – has their own program building um, ideals, but also could embrace everything Whittingham did. You just have USC PTSD. What do you mean? Because you saw this happen. You saw oh, like, trying Pete, to like, Pete Carroll and then Lane Kiffin. Anyone that was associated. Yeah, with. yeah. Well, I, I mean, just because you're associated with Kyle Whittingham doesn't mean you're going to be good. Like, Scally would probably make the most sense if there wasn't that kind of... It's basically a question of, is it is it uh, Boise State? Or is it USC? Like, is it the kind of job where the only thing that matters is the culture and continuing the culture and the recruiting apparatus and all that kind of stuff? Or is it, was Kyle Whittingham such a transformative figure that you're not going to duplicate him? Yeah. I lean more towards the former, not the latter with him. I think Kyle Whittingham is a really good coach, but Utah was, I mean, Utah's been a pretty good program, um, and they're a pretty good program under Urban Meyer before they went to Kyle Whittingham. Um, I think it's sort of like the uh, almost the Oregon thing, where they didn't have a bad coach from basically the end of the Rich Brooks era on. Uh, you know, it was just kind of inheriting the apparatus and yeah. doing all that kind of stuff. So, and I don't know, Utah's not at that level. Um, like it's not Phil Knight benefactor. That's the biggest factor, but um, I think that. That continuity feels more important there than it does with like what USC went through because Pete Carroll was, in a lot of ways, the program. Like what he was doing, his energy, his recruiting ability, his personal like drive and verve and all that kind of stuff was such a big factor. I don't, I don't know that Kyle Whittingham is that like essential to the process. I think he's a guy who started the process, but um, if somebody's a real bought into that they can make this work too yeah all right we got a voicemail and then i think that'll be it hey what's up guys it's perk um in plenty of past episodes you guys have talked about um from a business standpoint how well you guys do at your 247 sites when there's when your team has a job change and when this most recent round dave i was curious uh from a business standpoint do you wish the search went on a little bit longer would have that done anything business-wise or would the bigger difference have been had the coaching search taken place in november instead of february just kind of curious to see what it's like from from that angle and what you experienced this time around thanks guys 
Great question. Um, first, yes, would have preferred a longer search from a strictly business angle. Um, second, I don't know how much of a factor it would have been November versus February. Um, I think the February, the November one, the only reason it would have been a factor is because recruiting is in full swing at that point. So on top of the hire itself, you then get a lot of news drip immediately about like, oh, they're going out and offering this guy. They're bringing in this whole crew of guys on official visits. February, you don't get that. Um, so I think all things considered, for so many different reasons, UCLA should have been doing this in November and not in February. Uh, huge own goal kicked by the UCLA administration. Um, but I mean, from, yeah, I mean, I think with, um, there's a point at which a coaching search goes on too long. Um, and it starts to have diminishing returns, but even those diminishing returns are still, they're still pretty good for business. Um, and, uh, yeah, so like a three or four day search is not, you know, still, still good, but it's not, um, not ideal. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely changed. I mean, there's a lot going on at the end of the season and just so much gets piled on top of each other. Um, it used to be better when February was the signing period. Now you're doing like all the signing stuff while the bowl game's going on and coaching searches are happening. There's just a lot kind of going on at once. So maybe having a search outside of that normal window, there's some benefits there, but it's also, yeah, it's just, we're in a weird time. It's just, things have changed. I think the whole industry's changed and the timelines for things have changed. And I think we have a, there's a, you know, not insignificant group of fans that are not happy with the overall state of the sport uh, in college football. And I think you've talked about this before where you're sort of, you could be selling your soul and you're making more money now, but are you losing in the long term because people are not into the way this sport is going? And uh, it's I, I guess time will tell for that one. That's true. Um. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap things did, up. Was Eric's not from? Did we already do that one? Which one was Eric? Uh, it's the one from February fifteenth. Oh, we didn't do the the email. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Yeah, we haven't done. There's two emails. Oh, is there two? Okay. Yeah, one just came in. Okay. All right. I'll read Eric's. Uh, Big Ten Network. Hi guys. I was happy to see that Chip finally convinced someone to hire him away from UCLA, and I'm holding out hope for Coach Foster. I got the email from UCLA announcing the hire in the press conference, which indicated that the press conference would be on the Pac-12 network. At the start of the press conference, I switched channels to the Pac-12 network, but to my surprise, not really surprised, it was not on. Instead, the, re the replay of the Cal versus USC basketball game was on. However, do you know what channel was actually prepared to carry the press conference? It was the Big Ten network. The Big Ten network even had a mini pre-press conference show. I was shocked. At the end of the press conference, the Pac-12 network immediately resumes showing the replay of the Cal versus USC basketball game, while the Big Ten network had a mini post-press conference show with in-studio analysis of the speeches by Jarmond and Foster. The press conference was likely the very last live, non-sports broadcast by the Pac-12 network, and it was handled very horribly. <laughs> this just summed up the Pac-12 network failure. Lastly, the football uniforms that were on display at the Foster press conference had the Big Ten logo patch on them instead of the Pac-12 logo patch, and it was cool, yet sad to see. I'll miss the Pac-10, Pac-12 conference, the horrible refing, and Pac-12 after dark. Thanks, Eric F. Uh, P.S. Since you guys are having a guest come in to discuss the now-defunct Pac-12 schools, what are the chances of having Tracy come in as the guest for UCLA? 
I know Dave covers UCLA, but it would be great to have all three of you guys on one podcast in a way to truly put the Pac-12 conference to bed. Uh, we could we've done, well, we already talked to UCLA last week. That's true. But we could at the end we could bring Tracy on too. Yeah. Uh, so for the um, Pac-12 Network, Big Twelve, Big Ten Network. Did I say Big Twelve at the beginning? I think I did. Big Ten Network. Okay. Uh, it's the B1G. Can we stop saying that? It's stupid. It's Big Ten. Just call it the Big Ten. Anyway. B1G. I just I put hate that it. up there. Anyway. Um, uh, one thing I will say, in fairness to the Pac-12 Network, they have been shuttering things all year, and they have been really, really uh, stripping things down all year beyond what they had already been doing. Uh, yes, they're horrible. Yes, they've done a bad job with like uh, a lot of uh, kind of behind the scenes production stuff. But um, I, they don't even have like studio apparatus set up in some places anymore. Like there's they're they're having to do some very stripped down things as they kind of put this whole thing to bed. So um, wouldn't give them too hard of a time. Yeah, it's tough. Um, I'm curious to see what like even at the Pac-12. Oh, was it the? Yeah, Pac-12 championship game. They didn't have like a show. Like there yeah. were some stuff. I like, talked to Yogi and everything, and it was just you know. Well, they used to have like studio space set up on campuses, like to do like quick hitters and stuff. Uh, but now they're having to. Like, they used to have like live remote setups where like a, a coach could be on like with a background and stuff. Yeah, they even got rid of a lot of that stuff. Like it's just it's not very good. No, and the, just trying to keep everything alive for the next few months. I mean, these are people's lives that you're messing with. Like they have jobs. If they can get a job somewhere else, it's like how do you, how do you have everyone there long enough to keep the lights on and keep everything working? I think there's a big challenge there. So it'll be interesting to see what Washington State, Oregon State do, uh, what the assets there, and what they can do with it. I'm not sure. We have one other email uh, from Colt. Future baby names. Mm. Ryan and Dave. Great news. My wife and I just found out we are expecting. Our first baby. Well, congratulations. We used a lot of applause. Uh, very sure. proud. Very happy. Very, very awesome. Congratulations to you. In place of traditional names, can you give us both a boy version and a girl version of the most Pac-12 name possible? Thanks for the help. Keep up the great work, Colts. And he says, P.S. Can't wait to start the baby's college fund with our winnings in Vegas at the craps table. All right, so first you start with all of the Pac-12 cities um, because city names work. My kids are Berkeley and Abilene, so the first one is actually a Pac-12 name right there. So there's yeah. one. Um, but there's also, you can do Pullman for a boy. Not a great name, but you can do it. Okay. Uh, you can do Eugene. Oh, yeah. It's old. It's an old name, but you could do Kinda it. Kind of nerdy uh Cor connotations corvallis is interesting that feels that feels like it could go either way that feels like it could be a girl or a boy yeah uh you can't do salt i think lake corvallis is kind of badass yeah you can't do salt lake city that's not real no uh boulder <laughs> maybe not boulder <laughs> boulder if you're like if you're really going for that with a boy's name you could do uh berkeley i recommend it uh my daughter likes it um uh stanford you could just name your kid Stanford. That would be obnoxious. Um, <laughs> you can't do Los Angeles. Um, no. You can't do Westwood. Um, we, what is USC? Uh, Figueroa? Figueroa would be interesting. Oh, Figueroa's a good one, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, Tucson doesn't work. Um, Tempe is interesting, but no, I don't think that works. Tempe, I know a Tempe. You know a Tempe? I like one of my buddies married a Tempe. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know if it's spelled the same way. Uh, then you could also go like kind of esoteric. You could go like Evergreen. You could go Pacifica. You could go, um, gosh, uh, some sort of like ocean or sea type thing. Um, Palouse? No. Ooh, the Palouse. <laughs> uh, Palusi? Ooh, Palusi. Palusi. Yeah, just go and go with a L-U-C-Y. And PA at the front, Pelosi. Okay, you like that? I, I do. I came up. I kind of like that. Um, <laughs> I mean, you can go Willamette. Uh, oh yeah. Or you could just go Willa for a girl. Willa, yeah. That's kind of pretty. Um, and then you're getting the Will Willamette. Willamette. It's not Willamette. It's not Willamette. All right, you freaking Oregonians. It's Willamette. We've all we've all seen the word. <laughs> Don't make me pronounce it in your I, I, fucked up I always, way. I, every time I say it, it's wrong, so I never even say it anymore. You know? um, I mean, there's a there's a lot. Uh, you could then go into like the cups. You could go uh, territorial. Mm. No, uh, you could go civil victory. Civil so victory. Victory. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you could go Puget Apple. Okay. Like Gwyneth, like Gwyneth Paltrow's kid. Yeah. Um, you could go civil. Um, For civil war. Yeah. Uh, I, you could do uh, uh, big. <laughs> what about big, Axe? Big game. Axe? <laughs> oh, wow. What's his last name? Big game Bush? That'd be amazing. I love it. Um, you could go Axe. Uh, you could go Bell. Um. I mean, there's a lot of really good options. Obviously, I mean, we're, we're uh, champions. champions. Champion, yeah, just champion. What about champion? Champions. That kind of works. I don't know. Um, and then you could also go funny. You could go Larry Scott, <laughs> George Klyavkov. Um, You could go Don James. You could go Terry Donahue. You could go uh, Pete Carroll. You know, there's lots of different options here. Um, so, you know, just uh, really ex expand your scope. Um, think about all the different ways. But, uh, you know, if I had to pick, I'd pick a city name. They're all they're they're OK. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about mascots? Like, could you do? I don't think it, the mascots probably wouldn't work. No, I mean, you could go Joe Bruin. Bruins like. Well, Bruin. Oh yeah, yeah. Bruin. Uh, Trojan. No, Trojan. Not Trojan. Well, Bruin. There's some people named like Trajan. Well, like okay. in ancient times. Uh, Cardinal. No. Bear. I mean, I've I've seen bears. Bear. Yeah, but you could do bear. Uh, Wildcat. No. Sun Devil. That might be a little extreme. Uh, Beave. Leave it to Beaver. We have Beef. <laughs> uh, Ute. Uh, buff. Buffalo. Mm. Um, husky. Sun Devil would work. Probably don't name a girl husky. No. Um It's kind of sexist of you, but Cougar. <laughs> uh Duck. Duck feels like a nickname. Maybe you go with like um uh like a, a Doug and you call him Duck. Sun Sun Devil. Like would that be an actual name? Like someone like Hey, I'm Sun I think Devil. you'd have to put it all together and go like Sundeville. Sundeville? Sundeville. Okay. Yeah. Um mm -hmm. but yeah, you could do that too. Um, 
yeah, I think there's a lot of really good options out there. Cole, hopefully we we uh, we helped. Um, but the fact that you actually have like a Berkeley in your household is mm-hmm. uh, pretty crazy. Well, and we that was uh, our first, and so uh, joking like with the second, like what what Pac-12 city name should we do for this one? Um, yeah, great. Uh, <laughs> you've mentioned Vegas a lot. We haven't mentioned uh, so Dave and I will both be there. Uh, starting March 13th, I will be the 13th. You are coming the 14th for the final ever Pac-12 basketball tournament. And we're joining forces. Yes. And by this, we mean uh, we have allowed the No Truck Stops podcast to do 100% of the planning. Yes. Um, and by joining forces, we basically agreed to not uh, uh, have a qu- conflicting get-together. <laughs> But in any event, um, we're going to meet up the Friday before. So before the um, semifinal games, which I believe start at like five or six, we're going to meet up at uh, a venue uh, somewhat close to Planet Hollywood. Details to come on that. Um, If you are interested in coming, we are going to – what are we going to do? Are we going to share the – Yeah, email us. Or you can um, DM us on Twitter. Because I think what we're trying to do is set up like, uh, I don't know, like 25 to 30 people reservation. Because like when we did this two years ago, we're a football show. uh, Like 10 people showed up. So if you're interested, uh, email us at pac12podcast at gmail.com. We will share um, some sort of form for you to fill out. But uh, yeah, if if you want to come. If you want to eulogize uh, our dearly beloved Pac-12 uh, with us and uh, the No Truck Stops pod, uh, please indicate your interest via email. Yeah, they 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 got a reservation. There's limited space, so it'll be once we fill up, we fill up. This is a little different. They're more organized than what we would be. We're just saying, hey, show up here, and maybe it could have been 50 people. It could have been two. We don't know. Um, but they've they're a little more organized, so that's good. So, uh, uh, but yeah, we'll like to meet up with everybody over there. It'll be before the semifinal games. So it'll be Friday. Uh, hopefully you guys will, uh, be there. It'd be fun to, uh, get drunk and have some fun. Go well, to you table. can get drunk because USC sucks. Yeah, they're uh, terrible. Mad ass at basketball. They beat Utah this week. However, right? there is a decent chance that UCLA will have to play Friday night. Wait, USC beat Utah and UCLA lost to Utah, right? Like that Correct. Happened. UCLA lost twice to Utah. Uh, they <laughs> lost by 46 the first time they played. Oh, and then this last time they played, uh, they were probably going to win. But then um, their star freshman guard, Sebastian Mack, decided that he was going to try to um, collapse the trachea of Utah's um, uh, center, Brandon Carlson. Uh, he threw an elbow. So he was running through a screen at half court. And he takes his elbow and does this, where he's like almost jumping to try Seems to get it as high up on this guy. Because he's like, that's incidental. Carlson's right? like one of these big galoots. He's like 6'10 or something. Uh, and so he tries to throw the elbow, and he's like 6'3. Um, so, like, if you want to throw an elbow and you're 6'3 at a 6'10 guy, there's a much, much better place to hit him. <laughs> um, like it, and it's it's a lot easier to hit, and also you, your likelihood of killing the person that you're uh, swinging your elbow at is much, much lower. Much, much lower. More nut shots is what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, you've already brought that like up. Like Utah, Utah's used to it. They play BYU every year. Yes. Um, if you hit them in the balls, you know, it's fair game. Lots of sports, you hit people in the balls. Water polo, famously. 
all that's going on underneath the water is terrible. Is yeah. punching, kicking, grabbing, twisting, Scratching. nuts constantly, just nuts. Uh, there is so much nut violence in water polo. Uh, it's it's fine if you hit if you hit a Utah player in the nuts. It's almost like you know it's like coming home. You know, oh, we're playing BYU again. No, it's UCLA. Uh, but if you hit them in the throat, they might die on the floor. You don't want that. You don't want to kill somebody. Um, so general rule of thumb: if you want to do violence to a player in a game, hit them in the balls. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it should be should be some fun uh, in Vegas. Uh, just to give people right now, what's the odd like? So the only teams that are any good really in the Pac-12, Arizona is good, and Washington State's pretty good. Is All that right, so, where we are? Uh, Arizona is uh, like objectively good. Uh, everyone else, you gotta like, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta like, like make some allowances for. <laughs> Washington State's gotten really hot in the last like uh, month, month and a half. Okay, uh, they're probably gonna make the NCAA tournament. Uh, everyone else is in varying stages of yeah, maybe. Um, Colorado probably has the next best chance, uh, but they have. I think they might still have not won a game on the road this year. No, they just. Oh, oh yeah, they just this beat USC in double overtime. Did. I wasn't even meaning that. That wasn't even intentional. Um, But uh, uh, UCLA was playing really well up until they um, tried to kill the Utah guy. Um, They didn't actually try to kill him. It was just it was a it was a high elbow, and I'm being facetious. Um, But uh, the uh, they were playing pretty well until then. But they probably needed to like more or less win out to make the NCAA tournament as an at large. Now, anybody could make it win in the Pac-12 tournament. Gotcha. So that's where the fun is involved. And I will say, uh, your 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 stupid Trojans have been playing a little bit better uh, since Isaiah Collier came back. They got some guys back, I think. Yeah, we'll see. But, they, yeah, they lost in double overtime in a game they probably should have won. But, um, yeah, so it just kind of sucks for Oregon State and Washington State, right? Because they're going to get all of the NCAA units – Going forward, because it's like yeah, this is the year to get like, the units. Yeah, there's like no units coming unless Arizona like wins the title. But they need the, uh, they need somebody outside of uh, Arizona and Washington State to win the Pac-12 tournament. And then there'll be like three teams. Then you'll have tournament. three teams, but um, Arizona is probably going to be prohibitive favorite in that tourney. Yeah, and they usually show really well. They do show up for that. Like the like it's Arizona fans like everywhere. Yeah, it's Tucson there. North. It's it's pretty fun, yeah, yeah. So we got some Arizona. So all you Sheer fans, and if you were Arizona fans, hopefully you can come to the meetup there because we know there's a lot of you out there. All right. Uh, well, I guess that's going to wrap things up. Um, fun stuff. Uh, yeah, let us know. Send us an email, uh, pac12podcast at gmail or DM us uh, at pac12podcast on the Twitters if you are interested in coming to the meetup. It'll be Friday afternoon, March. 15th. Uh, For David David Woods, I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye. Do not violence.